What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Middlecoff! Hey, behaves! Happy New Year! Happy 2020, guy. Happy 2020. 2020. Yes, sir. Let's hope to make it to 2040. 2021. I'm just aiming for 2021 at this point, John. Do you think the 20 20 years in the the 2000s went by pretty quick? Yeah, lots happened. But uh, Y2K was uh, just yesterday. I I do feel like a lot's happened. It's been been a crazy 20. Yeah, I'm with been. you. Just try to make it to 2021. Just keep on trucking. Uh, before we get into it on this uh, New Year's Day podcast, we got to tell you this podcast is brought to you by Upstart. Hitting the gym, eating right, learning a new skill. These are all things you could do to better yourself in the new year. But I can't think of something more important than starting off the new year by tackling high-interest credit card debt. Our friends at upstart.com slash ham are here to help. Yeah, I love our friends at upstart.com slash ham. Upstart, they go beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education, your job history. Inform, it's just just to get a smarter rate. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score, and obviously we believe that too, guy, here on this podcast with our listeners. The best part, once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds, guy, the next business day. We're all, you know, you got credit card debt, those high interest rates, you want to get rid of them, it gives you anxiety, I know it does with me, over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards and meet their financial goals, we all make goals, 2020 or 2020, we want to attain those, we are here to help you, let us help you with our friends at upstart.com slash ham, that's right, upstart.com slash ham, see why 300 businesses on Trustpilot, they are number one in their category, Yep. So, hurry to upstart.com slash ham to find out how low your rate is. It only takes a few minutes. Upstart.com slash ham. Whoop, whoop. Podcast also brought to you by, uh, also in 2020, hoping for continued success uh, with the advertisers. Brought to you by mybookie.ag. Promo code ham in the numeral one. That's ham one. Mybookie.ag, ham one. Uh, they'll match your first deposit 50% up to 1000 bucks if you'd like. 
You know what I like? What's I that? love. I love Alabama. I think it's seven and a half now. It's going up. It's going up. <laughs> so I, I can't. I can't bet against them, man. I because I, that would be ugly. And I'm just. I'm just praying. Uh, that that but that does feel like the lock of the day tomorrow. What's the what's the Oregon line? Have you seen that? Uh, I think it's um, Wisconsin three was the last thing I saw. I don't have my bookie in front of me right now though. Yeah, the, I what one thing I pulled up is uh, my bookie does a great job of these futures, and mybookie.ag promo code ham and the number one is I got the Super Bowl futures guy. We have four teams, four teams that are single-digit favorites, you know, under 10 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are the number one overall seed at basically 2.25, you know, plus 225. The 49ers, you can get them at plus 375. So you bet $100, you win $375. You bet $1,000. If you like them to win the Super Bowl, guy, I'll give you sneaky decent odds here are the Chiefs at plus 425, the Saints plus 450, this has to be to start the playoffs. The longest odds the Patriots have seen in a long, long time, guy. They are ten to one to win the Super Bowl. Wow, ten to one to win the Super Bowl. The the one thing you'd say about the Saints at plus four fifty, unlike the Chiefs, 49ers, and Ravens, that's not great odds for a team that has to win three games and potentially two road games just to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, I I think they're just being viewed as rightfully so as a good team, but the the Niners, Chiefs, and Ravens path is just much more obtainable given that they get home games and they get a bye. Mybookie.ag, promo code ham one. Let's get it on, baby. All right, we're going to talk some Niners, some Raiders today, but we thought New Year, you know, uh, there's just a lot going on. You had the Black Monday, already two turnovers uh, watching the game. Uh, this ASU Florida State game, there have been two turnovers in a minute and 15 seconds. So, obviously, we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, a fumble and then an interception in the baby zone, John, a baby zone INT. That should be everybody's resolution in 2020. No baby zone interceptions. Was it Jaden Daniels or Chris Winkie that threw it? It was, uh, Flo- it was uh, 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 Jameis Winston. What I don't understand, and we mentioned this before the game, if you would have asked me, just at the beginning of this morning when I got up. What do you think – I, I did not know Arizona State was playing Florida State. If you just said, what do you think Florida State's record was this season? I would have guessed 3-8. Three three and, eight. Three, yeah, yeah. Or three and nine. Yeah, 3-9. and nine. I mean, they fired their coach three weeks into the season. I know. And somehow they ended up going 6-6. Six and six. Probably if you broke down their schedule, it speaks to the shittiness of that conference, right? Yeah. But you're right. I mean, the idea that ASU and Florida State only had – one game different. If Florida State wins the game, they'll finish with the same record. By the time you're listening to this, you know if they won the game or not. That doesn't. You wouldn't know that based on the conversations. Well, around the two Arizona programs. State had some good wins. I mean, they beat Cal at Cal, which was an eight-win team. Now, granted, the quarterback got hurt that game, and obviously they beat Oregon. Those are two pretty strong wins. Well, on and the they resume. won at Michigan State. Was Michigan State pretty bad though? Well, but I mean, at the time, yeah. I think it was a top twenty-five win on on the road. Big Ten, two place true to win. freshman offensive linemen, two freshman quarterback. It feels like the eye test. Arizona State should have two more wins, right? Well, I know they it's did like, have a bad loss to Colorado. Was that the call? They that lose was Colorado? That, that was a great game though. But it was yeah. At did home. you call that game? No, no, but it was a good game. Uh, all right, John, let's dive in here because there's a lot to get to. He is back, Middlecoff. He is back. 
Jack Del Rio is going to be Ron Rivera's defensive coordinator in Washington. That's a lot of like guys, guys. I mean, you're talking is, about that, a couple of is, football guys getting yep. screamed at. That's that is they're going to fucking shake some heads there, right? We we I think Jack, you you and me, we were hard on him, like a lot of people were. His time in Oakland has aged pretty fucking well, has it not? But you know, I was thinking about this today. We were also pretty good to him when they when they were like. Uh, when you get Haberman and Middlecoff, you get people that are good to you when you're good and criticize you when you're bad. It's really a simple formula. And I think even when he was bad, we said he did bring a lot to the table. Just a grown man, uh, just a, at worst an average coach, which is something they died for at that period of time. And a guy that just made some fucking people uncomfortable. And I think Ron Rivera is a higher level version of that that... You would say, you know what, the Washington Redskins have been a place where people have got a little too comfortable. It's going to get uncomfortable there immediately. Ron's not messing around. I mean, we've got Jack. Now, the question is, was not going to be like their defense and toughness with Ron, right? When he's, his good teams in Carolina. Because I was, I was thinking back, Silver wrote this article about Rivera, and Rivera said, you know, one of the most touching calls I got was the day after or last week or sometime when he had been fired from Belichick, who just called him. And I was thinking, if Belichick didn't respect this guy, no chance he calls him. I don't think he's just doing him a solid to call him. I bet Bill, who's probably played him a couple times over the years when Ron was there, went, that guy's team was fucking tough. Hell, I mean, if we look back, maybe he beat him with Cam. Who knows? But I bet Bill left and, like, I respect that guy. And I think Ron, and same for Jack, like they are old school, tough MFers. I don't know why I just edited myself, but. Yeah, because you've been doing terrestrial radio for three the, days. I would say the one thing that they're going to have to adapt to a little bit is I, I think Jack, maybe not Ron as much, but can live a little in the past with the style of defenses and the style of players. Look who they were. Both of those guys are 6'3", 6'4", middle linebacker types. You know, it's like you you need more of the Greenlaw types in 2020, which I don't know how they would think anything other. Moving, You just turn on tape around the league. It's clear what's playing and what's not. But that would be my only red flag. Are these guys open-minded enough? Because I don't know if you saw that Dan Snyder relieved every single human of his duties in that organization. I, I did see that. So, Bruce Allen, the decade gone. You would say that Jack is going to have, if that's his first hire, him, Ron's going to, those guys are going to be on the same page of what they're looking for, right? Right. Like Jack's going to have some pull in that, with that draft and the players that they keep. It's interesting too, man. There's just, it's the number of young quarter, first round quarterbacks who are, cha- who are having their cha- their coach change on them in a short amount of time. Happened with Darnold. It's happening with Baker. It's happening with Haskins. Um, somebody else. I guess it happened with Rosen, but that doesn't really count because he changed teams. Um, there was one other guy. Anyway, but like that whole dynamic, it's just well, kind of, oh, Dax, the Giants. Dax, hap- Dax, and Dax, relatively young. He's but changed, I'm talking, yeah, yeah that's You're true talking too. like first or second year. Yeah, but and, and Daniel Jones is the other one now. It is kind of normal, though. Like it happened with Elway, happened with Peyton. You know, I think it just happens with young quarterbacks because usually. I think if we did a quote-unquote study, that's what analytic guys always like. We did a study. No, John, we not analytic a, guys. Computer oh, guys. Computer, computer guys. I think if we did a study, most young quarterbacks are just bad when they're young. So what happens when you're bad when you're young? You're going to lose a lot of games. What does losing a lot of games mean? The coach usually gets fired. It's just kind of a natural progression. Mm-hmm. It's like 
Why did Jason Garrett survive Dak's first four years? Well, they were winning some games. It, it was like not really quick. Dak came in and boom, they started winning, right? It was, I, I think when you look around the, the players or the coaches that kind of survive with a young guy, they usually hit the ground running. Like, oh, Pagano and Luck. It was like, woof, <laughs> shot off like a rocket ship. So, yeah, it's a, that is a good point. I, is Dwayne Haskins going to be good? I have a hard time seeing it. And this is actually maybe where Ron Rivera... Harbaugh was like this too, but he was an offensive guy, but he thought thought like a Rivera Harbaugh. I think Ron goes, yeah, I'll fucking figure out a way to win with this guy. Or if not, we'll just get rid of him in a couple of years. We'll just prove that he's not good enough and we'll get rid of him. That's but a good I, point, yeah. I don't think Ron looks at Dwayne... Ha- I don't think he looks at anything like he was scared. It's actually a, a good quality to have. I think Jack, on a, on a version of that, had that when he came to the Raiders. Like, we'll fucking figure it out. Well, I... Don't most people... I mean, when you're like, why would this guy take that job? Like, why would he... Because he thinks he can win. Like, why would... Clay want to keep subjecting himself to this hassle at USC. Well, because it pays well. But he thinks he can win. He's a top 25 team. He's been to the well, Rose Bowl. See, I, I wouldn't compare Clay to these guys. No, like, I'm I think not comparing Ron Clay to that guy. I'm saying every guy yeah, from the outside, it's so easy. Like, why would he do that? Well, because he thinks he can win. Well, what? What gives him the right? Because he believes in himself. That's why. <laughs> but I would say, like, with Ron, who probably could have picked a couple different jobs— he generally, like, to his core, believes it. Like, I'm going to win. I yeah. win. With defense, right? I'm going to win. So, like, to I your think, point. Yeah, well, like, when we'll get to Robert Sala or Greg Roman or Matt LaFleur last year, did he truly deep down, like, can I do this? Like, he has to have that thought. I don't think that thought crosses Ron's mind. No, it doesn't. You're right. I think Ron comes, and it, we know it doesn't cross Jack's mind either. They're coming in, double shotguns loaded. It might be a little... Not false like bravado or confidence, but maybe just a little overconfident. I think they're coming in overconfident, though. Which in, 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 you in might argue way. you have to be overconfident to win in some of these places. Yeah, you just come in, guns blazing, let it rip. I if if Ron Rivera can make the playoffs multiple times in the next half decade, it's an incredible accomplishment in that franchise, right? Yeah. Uh, by the way, how about uh, Paul D. Podesta trying to pull the Howie Roseman, John? I did not. I true. If you would ask me, is Paul D. Podesta still in the Browns building? I I would have said I, I don't know. Wouldn't but the answer the is ma- yes because John the, now he wants John Dorsey out. Wouldn't you say though the major difference when Howie came back? He had a fifteen years of negotiating contracts, doing trades, doing shit. Paul D. Podesta is known to me for two moves, and the number one move is saying going on record: Carson Wentz would not be a top twenty quarterback. Not like a top five quarterback, or we didn't think he was going to be a future Hall of Famer, a top 20 quarterback. That's one of the dumbest comments that's ever ever been said publicly by a guy that, let's face it, probably should never be an NFL general manager. The other non-comment, but move that he made was trading out for Deshaun Watson when they traded. Remember, they were pick 10. The Texans came up and took Deshaun Watson. It sure looks like he's going to be the general manager again, which is just nuts, but it's Clearly where it's headed. Even though you have a desperate need for a quarterback, you have to resist the temptation of taking the guy because you have a need if you don't believe he's one of those 20 guys at the end. I think it's the hardest part, maintaining your discipline because you have the need. That's what we did this year. So not only is he not a top 20 quarterback, but let's give ourselves some credit here for maintaining discipline. It all comes down to the individual evaluation, and we will not always be right on those types of things. 
did he, w- w- am I missing the quote where he says we don't think he's going to be top twenty? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, I said it. you have to resist the temptation of taking the guy because you have a need if you don't believe he's one of those twenty guys at the end of the day. I mean, jeez, Louise, John Dorsey now guy fired by the Chiefs when they were winning, then fired by the Browns after two years of just doing some crazy shit. Does he like his run of being a general manager is over? It's his. I mean, he had two pretty good. You were the general manager for Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes, and you got fired. Then you get the Browns job, which not great, but you get the job after you go zero and sixteen. You get the number one pick in a quarterback draft, and you got all these assets because of Sashi, and you're out a year later. That GM job was way better than the head coaching job a year ago, right? Or the year that they took Baker with all the picks, oh, the quarterbacks. Yeah. But it also, you, you got to have a lot of talks with Brown's ownership. But I'm just them. saying from just a football perspective, having the number one pick in a draft sure. with four or five quarterbacks, you have all these picks. Remember, they didn't just take Baker. They took Denzel Ward a couple picks later. Like, he he kind of swung and missed us. Like, if, imagine if he just would have gone, like, Baker or Sam and, like, McGlinchey. Like, not even outthought the room, right? Just got a couple solids. And he's like, oh, you know, we're in pretty good shape. To the midget corner. It's questionably not that good. It's tough when you get two really high picks. It's like well, the Raiders with Cleveland Farrell, the Niners with Solomon Thomas. It's just hard to shake that. Yeah. That's just that's an opportunity missed. Doug Marone's back. I guess NBC Diana swung and a miss on that one. Yeah, ESPN Diana now. 100% was going to be – or no, she said he's fired, and then the cons came out and said 100% not true. And that's another one where it's like, oh, Dave Caldwell's – Still the GM, and they're just not going to fill Tom Coughlin's position. Is there a chance that Tom Coughlin really was that big of a metal or slash yeah. and, you know, problem for them? I guess they have to save money on that position because they just had to pay out like a million and a half dollars in back-ordered fines. But, yeah, there is a chance of that, John. Like, uh, he, he, he loved – well, who, who was the person that pounded the table for Leonard Fournette? Was Tom. it Dave Caldwell or don't, don't you think it's difficult in Tom's position having been a head coach having so much juice and then being in this position where you can't actually influence players like when you're a general manager it truly is like an executive position you're not you're not incomplete you're just making moves that impact other people but he wasn't supposed to be the general manager no he was above the guy though so yeah yeah no I, I mean I totally agree with you but I'm just saying do you blame a like you like to say like do you what do you say? Like you blame a tiger for attacking a mongoose or whatever? I mean, do you do you, do you blame a fat guy because he eats an extra piece of pizza? Do you blame Tom Coughlin because he micromanages football operations if you put him in charge of football operations? No, it, it, it that was on the cons who admitted their mistake by relieving those duties. It just got more out of control than he, like Bruce Allen got to the point where it's Trent Williams saying that he's withholding money and faking injuries and. Other guys are saying this other stuff. Oh, that's right. Like, they fired the trainer, too. The head trainer. The, like, 17 years. The Redskins did. Yeah. Yeah, it's a disaster. So, maybe they get him back. Um, one other piece of new, the, uh So, Dylan Moses, great linebacker, right? Like, if he was healthy from Alabama, how high do you think he would have been drafted? Is he? A- I'll be honest. I hadn't, like, quote-unquote studied him. But he was one of those guys that was just openly talked about by people in the business. Like, a top ten pick. I think he tore his ACL in spring practice, or maybe it was maybe it was fall camp. But yeah, it was like uh, 
trying to think like a Devin White, you know, a, a guy that was just going to be the number one linebacker in the class. So he comes back, and then Alabama's official Twitter account on the 31st tweets out this little uh, sequence of dominoes falling. And when you – it took me – I couldn't figure it out. I had to text uh, our friend Michael Sachs, who's an Alabama guy. I'm like, what is – I don't understand this. What's going on? He's like, well – because he's deep in the Alabama message boards. He's like, well, if you look at the dominoes, it goes 1-3, to 1-3, to three, 13 for Tua. And so people are saying that the next domino – is going to be that Tua is going to announce that he's not going in the NFL draft, uh, and then he's coming back to school. And then there was like some other part of it. Too, are they like, the, are they the heavy favorites if he returns and he can play? Yeah, and then I guess I, what Sack said is that some Nick's other like fans I'm back, motherfuckers. We're saying that there's also the number six and the number eleven, which means Devontae Smith and Henry Ruggs are both coming back. So it's deep in the domino Illuminati for Alabama. But you're right. I mean, if they come back with him, it is a Guy, collision it, course it, with Clemson. Well, guy, if Tua comes back and rugs and who, who was the other guy you said? Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith's going to come back as if they get both those two guys out and they I only think those, lose Waddle and Judy. Judy. So, yeah, I, I mean, Alabama's feeling themselves right now. They think it's a chance, and I don't blame them because if they come back, it's a national championship or at least right there for it. I think just Tua, looking at Tua, if you're Tua and you go, you know I'm not going to be able to get checked off by the time the combine comes around and I'm going to fall – to uh, between 20 and 30. You could look at it two ways. One, I'm going to get drafted by a good team, right? In theory, I guess pe- team bad teams trade up too, so it's not y- – you never know. Right, but uh, maybe I end up in the Patriots. Maybe I could easily end up on the on a playoff team like a, like a Mahomes-Deshaun Watson did a couple years ago. But the counter to that is I lose a lot of money, right? There's a big difference between being a top two or three pick, which I think he would then – I more than likely I think Burroughs become just the lock number one overall pick. I don't see how Tua, if he was just purely healthy and he had just finished out the season throwing touchdowns and let's say they beat Auburn, they'd been in the national championship, or not that maybe not won the game, but like lost to LSU again, that he's a lock to go number two. Like I don't think there's any way that Herbert goes above him. If he's just fully healthy throwing touchdowns. Right. And that's you know, that's $30-plus plus million Yeah, so last year, 1, 2, and 3 were $30 million. 20, 21, and 22 was $11 million. 11 and a half, 11 and change. So that's a $20 million difference, basically, between we, we, the top I've never three. Been, and I've never been in the position where, like, I had potentially missing of $20 million. I don't know how I'd look. Maybe you just strictly think about the money. Maybe you're not thinking. I don't know if at 21, 22 years old, you're worried enough about, like, Let's break down the rosters, the organizational flowcharts of all the. T- I don't even think you're thinking. Go about there that. and win, and because here's the thing, John, you go there and win. That means in four or five years you make your money back, right? If you go there, like if I go to New England, that they trade up and get me, or maybe they don't have to trade up, and I'm at 22. It's like, yeah, I'm down 20 million to start, but I got a better chance to succeed, and I'll make my money back because I'm you, such a good player. But it's going to take you four years to get that next contract. You. But it's going to take you four years. You're saying, oh, to make your money? Yeah, if you're saying, well, I'll make more money in the future because I just got a better start to my career. It's like, yeah, but that you're still four years out where you're $20 million down. Because I think like Andrew Luck would tell you, if you're good, you get drafted one, or Cam, you get drafted one or two, and then four years later, you get another huge contract. So you, so you get that $100 million after you already got that 20 or $30 million, you're at $130 million. Where you can get that hundred million in four, but you only got the eleven. That's an extra million. 
So again, you're going to be super rich no matter what. I think you look at it, you just want to be a super high pick. Yeah. That's how you're looking at it if you're Tua. I, my gut knows I know nothing beside the domino thing, which I didn't even realize was that. But he did mention something. I think at like the Heisman Trophy ceremony or with an Alabama reporter like a month ago, that it was it's on like everything's on the table. That'd I kind of I kind of hope he returns. I do too. Uh, then you'd have him, Trevor Lawrence. Top of the draft next year would be great. Panay Sewell. Yeah, Panay Sewell. Uh, Justin Fields. Is he? Yeah, he's pretty good. I mean, I'm sure Ohio State has some guys. Yeah, there'd be some players. There'd be some players. There's a dude at Penn State, number 11, that's going to be a super high pick. Uh, any other? Uh, I mean, we got the bowl games. We talk about the. We get this. Uh, well, just on Justin Herbert. Let's just like, talk about that game, yeah, specifically. There is clearly a number one overall player right now at quarterback, Joe Burrows. Who is the second quarterback? I think most people you talk about would say Justin Herbert, but I think it's more just that's where it just kind of feels right now. Physically, he's the guy. He can make the flash plays. Better version, way better version in college of what Josh Allen was. Some questions about his personality, not in a character standpoint, but like he's got a little Mariota to him, is that fair? Just kind of yeah, quiet. Yeah, I think he's kind of not not a natural vocal type guy, but I think he's come out of a shell a little. Not an alpha's alpha, but you wouldn't call him a beta. But I think Mariota, the people that questioned his alpha ness, were they proven right? Well, I mean, did it, is is his personality he the reason he's good not the starting quarterback? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I think it's more that. Justin Herbert not comes that out. Not, that he's not good enough. Not that it's a. Not that it's his. Personal well, that that's his biggest red flag right now. If Justin Herbert comes out, wouldn't you say, and throws three or four touchdowns against Wisconsin, a team with NFL players, an NFL defense, and an NFL level defensive coordinator in Jim Leonard, the former safety. That, I mean, would he solidify himself as the number two overall pick? I guess Chase Young, like Rivera and Jack. Yeah, I, Chase see, Young, I, I think I think it's probably number three is the first pick that's kind of open. But you're right. I mean, it could be as simple as somebody. It could be like the Solomon Thomas pick, right? Somebody moves back a spot, um, so someone else can take the quarterback they want to take Chase Young at three. Well, like Detroit could trade back like five or six spots for a couple picks because they got Stafford coming back, and then if like whatever team gets there to two three. Do a flip flop, right? Who's at two right now? Washington, no. Washington, then Detroit. You know, Detroit won three games. Uh, with one tie, with the Cardinals tie. Yeah, they went three, twelve, and one. But I all you get remembered for. You don't get remembered for the twelve and one. You just get remembered for the three, right? <laughs> like you're like, wow, well, we actually didn't lose the thirteenth game. Like, yeah, no one cares. You we could three argue and twelve. That, hey, the, that tie. You guys were up, I remember it was week one, like 24-6, to six, and they came storming back. I guess Stafford, I saw some clip that he was adamant that, he, that, because it's like someone in the media asked him, what do you have to say to the fans that are worried about your back injury? He's like, well, I'm not worried about the back injury, and it's my back, so tell him that. That was a pretty good answer. <laughs> Root for Matt. That is a good answer. He's been through a lot in his life, though, so I, his yes. level of worry is different than everyone else's level of worry. 100%. Um, yeah, so look, man, I, I'm with you on Herbert. Big-time stage. That game's at 2 o'clock. Wisconsin's favored. 
Rose Bowl. I think for them, I think a lot of the four years at Oregon was like, this guy's talented enough to leave after three. Is he really going to go pro after three years? And we never really fulfilled kind of the promise of what we thought his career would be. But now it's all there in front of him. And this can really just all come together where he's got this. It's not the CFP. That would have been perfect, perfect. Um, but I, like there, there is going to be, I'm looking forward to this. The, the, uh, who's the guy in Milwaukee, John, who does all the draft things. Oh, he always Bob has the best Mc, dirt. Bob McGinn. Bob McGinn. Yeah, Bob yeah. McGinn. Are there going to be a few GMs that like Herbert more than Joe Burrow, just based on his arm, his physical, physical traits, quote unquote? Maybe it's not, a, it's not inconceivable. Was for example, was Josh Allen the number one quarterback on the Bills board of the year they took him at seven? There's a chance, right? There is a chance. Yeah, only That's takes actually, one. I actually say maybe a decent chance when you factor in the weather, how cold it is, how you need a big arm guy there. Like, do yeah. the Bengals? I say with the Bengals worry, but Joe Burrow has a better arm than Dalton, and they drafted Dalton once upon a time, and that he's been a ten-year starter for him. And I, and I also think sometimes with these picks, like. And I don't know how it, you really what percentage it is, but what pick can you make that you like that also no one is going to crush you for going with Joe Burrow number one overall if you're the Bengals, right? I think it's just yeah, it's a no brainer. Like no one will say in five years if Herbert turns out to be the pl- better player. How did you not know that? Is like, Herbert a senior or a redshirt junior? He's a true senior. He started as a freshman. Oh, so he he has no eligibility left even if he he has to go. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. He started as a true freshman, like game one, or did he come uh, in like mid? No, I think it was game one. Damn, I think I go back and check that. But so he's had a pretty, uh, pretty long career as the starter. Just battle, you know. He didn't play a ton his first couple of years because he just he got beat. He had some injuries. Oh yeah. That, oh, that's why I think of him like God. He's really played that long. But you're right. He's been knocked out of a couple seasons. Would you say his career? Is a better version of Rosen's just because he's won a little more, but no, both of them like left something to be desired. Like, why don't they have they have multiple like six game seasons? Yeah, I think if they win the Rose Bowl, then Oregon will say, you know what? When it's all said and done, we are we we are at peace with how with the Justin Herbert era for sure. May the peace be with you. May the peace Justin Herbert be with you. You're right because so, his first two games he played a total or first two years he played a total of sixteen games, and he was having really productive seasons. God, you're right. God, I didn't realize. I felt like he was like a two and a half year starter, but mm. fuck, he, he was the injuries. What was the? What were the injuries? We had a clavicle. I remember was one of the main ones. Broken clavicle. Yeah, he had a. He got like one of those tackled on his shoulder things, and I think maybe like the, the shoulder came back again. I I don't quite remember. See, this is you would get peppered in a scout meeting. You're like, well, well, I'd be I'd be more prepared for a scout meeting, <laughs> in terms of injury history. I know. Deep Podesta is looking at me. Shut up, Paul. Where did you come from? <laughs> How long who, have you 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 been in the building this whole time? You've been listening to what I've been saying. Who are you? You think Paul? him and John Dorsey have had some good meetings, productive meetings, a little give and a take? I see Pro- you make a good point there, Paul. No, you made a good point, John. Productive, no chance. What what is the Jimmy Haslam? You think has like on his text message thread, there's always like one from Dorsey. There's one from Deep Podesta. And he's always got to be careful which guy he texts back because they're both talking shit about the other one. I think the key, I, when I see that the, the Browns sign their emails or their announcements with Jimmy and D, is I would try to get in deep. Not actually deep, but just on a personal level with D Haslam. Because if you're with the guy's wife, 
you know, who does the husband talk to the most? His wife. So if she, if she's on your side, you got a chance. Well, I saw she likes Josh McDaniels. Uh, but before we go, so real quick, we'll get to the Browns again in a second as it relates to Robert Sala. So uh, 10 a.m. is Michigan-Alabama. Michigan, by the way, John, if you're scoring at home, has lost its last three bowl games. Michigan lost the Peach Bowl uh, to Florida last year, 41-15. to It was bad. It was ugly. They do lost. Bowl, do, do bowl games matter, though, still for perception? They kind of um, do. They feel like so, they don't, but then they kind of do. Well, so here's what I think about. I'll tell you this, and then I'll. So then they lost to South Carolina the year before by a touchdown, and they lost by one the year before that to Florida State. Um, I don't think individual bowl games, by and large, matter because there's so much context that you know who's got guys that aren't playing. You know what I mean? Like there's all this kind of a weird dynamic. How many of your coordinators are be- have been fired, or how many of them just left, or is your new head coach there? All that weird shit that may, but. I do think we can stack up over the course of several years, right? Like Harbaugh's one and three in bowl. He's lost three bowls in a row. Yeah, he, this would be a big. This would be a big moment for him. This would be a good win, whether Tua or obviously Tua's not playing. But I forget the backup's name. He, but he actually threw three or four touchdowns in that Auburn game. I he think Alabama, I will be, if if Michigan wins this game, I will be flabbergasted <laughs> and kind yeah. of pleased. Yeah, I would too. Also, if Michigan wins this game, John, it will be four out of five years that they've won ten games under Jim Harbaugh. So say what you want about him. When this you would, check, this, this would be his best moment as Michigan head coach, beating Nick Saban by a mile, right? In the five yeah. years, this would be his yeah. highlight. Yeah, Lloyd Carr had six total double-digit win seasons. This would be Jim's fourth. If and he, I don't give a shit right, if after Feinbaum saying they didn't care, and that's fine. If Jim needs them not to care. Just back up quarterback. Game. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It, it does because matter. all of that stuff applies if they beat you too. Like oh, Alabama with a backup and barely caring. One hundred percent win the game. So we actually, um, you're right. It's a sneaky while till the national championship game. Like, it's not next Monday. It's in a Monday from Monday. It's on the 13th, yeah. It's two weeks. So, uh, and then the other game tomorrow, uh, Sugar Bowl Monday night, New Year's night, uh, Georgia Baylor, 545. Wednesday Wednesday night, Georgia Baylor in the uh, Sugar. Oh, and by the way, out back at the same time as the Michigan-Alabama game is Minnesota-Auburn. So That's not bad. Good slate of games on on Monday. Uh, Georgia, uh, Wednesday, sorry. Georgia favored by four against Baylor. Auburn favored by seven against Minnesota. I saw that Derek Brown, the, their defensive lineman that's supposed to go in the top ten at Auburn, is going to play. Number five. He's a freak. Wow. I like so, it. So, I, I don't know why he is playing. I, he shouldn't play, but too risky. All right, John. Uh, the Browns are – maybe someone can refresh my memory. This has been a thing. The f- I have not seen so many reports. I remember seeing the bottom line Monday, and it said Browns, dot, dot. Josh McDaniels accepts. I'm like, what in the an interview? I was like, oh, okay. Um, it's news when someone just agrees to sit down with them. Pretty crazy. And obviously, Robert Sala, uh, Mike McDaniel, Mike Lafleur. Niner staff is stacked with guys that are getting uh, are going to be, be getting phone calls from teams. Well, to me, I think it's pretty clear that the Browns, you want to let people know that the top guys on the market are interviewing with you. Because it became a story when Matt Rule, Mike Lombardi wrote or tweeted that Matt Rule will not interview with them. So there's a negative perception around them that you got to shake. And that's where I, you and I were talking yesterday 
If you're Robert Sala, do you 100% just interview with the Browns? And you get to the point where, you know, an interview, like anything in life, it's probably do something that make you a little uncomfortable. Do something that you've never done before. Put yourself into a position where you can learn from, even if this is a job that you wouldn't want. It, it doesn't hurt. Uh, now... We talked before the podcast, like, how realistic is it, Robert Sala, getting a job? And I think it went from a month ago to be like, this guy's going to get some legitimate shots. And now, you know, probably well under 50-50, right? It felt like maybe 50-50, there's going to be eight, seven, eight jobs. The guy's going to get a head job. And now there's really, what, five jobs open right now? The Redskins are closed. Carolina open, Cleveland open, the Giants open. The Cowboys, which won't be an option for Robert Sala, right? Right. So it'd be the Panthers, which it does feel like Tepper is going to go big game hunting in the sense that a guy with some experience, like a McCarthy, go after a big-time college coach. Same with the Giants. Like they, Does Robert Sala feel like the New York Giants? The Browns, to me, would be his one option just because a lot of guys might turn them down. Like... One thing that you're going to have to do if you're the Browns head coach, you're going to have to talk with Paul D. Podesta. Like he's, if John Dorsey goes, that means this guy's going to play a big fucking role. It's not inconceivable that when the dust settles, Robert Sala is like a top two or three candidate for him. Just because who's Robert Sala going to want? Well, who do all the analytical guys want in baseball? Someone that makes not that much money that answers to them. That's what, that's what Paul D. Podesta's dream is. That's what all baseball guys' dream is, to pull all the strings. That's why baseball is being run by a bunch of farons. And I, I don't blame them. We all want more power. It just doesn't work like that in football. I don't think it's inconceivable that if you told me that Robert Sala has offered the Browns job after just one of the shittiest searches ever. That's what it would probably take is a bunch of people saying no. Which, would you agree that is not inconceivable at the rate it kind of is going again? I mean, they ended up with Freddie Kitchens last year. They, they, yeah. It was hard for them to get interviews last year when it was like, well, we got we got Baker, we got all these assets, we got a good young core. John Robert Sala would be viewed as a better hire than Freddie Kitchens was. One hundred percent. I so I don't even think it would be close. I I just now I think the flip side, if you have any sort of common sense, can you hire a defensive coach? that's never been a head coach when you just drafted a quarterback number one overall and he had a shitty season. I saw someone tweet, 31st in quarterback ranking, second in picks, 31st in some other completion percentage. Like, Baker's stats this year were horrendous. I mean, it was like a Mike Glennon type. I mean, it was... I think everyone's like, thinks Mitch Trubisky's some bum, and he's not a great player, but Mitch's season was dramatically better than Baker's. Baker's season was... Terrible guy. Qu- like, quantifiable with the the analytics, the eye test, everything. It was bad. The, the eye test was pretty appalling, really. I watched The eye test was appalling. Highlights. Yeah, it was bad. Not a lot, but... Um, Can you hire a defensive coach when Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick two years ago as a quarterback who's kind of slipping in the wrong direction? Even if you're y- Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, look, they... Is there a chance yes, Jimmy doesn't like him? Yes, they can hire a defensive coach, I think. Um... The standard should be hire the best coach, but you know I don't know if that's what they will do. The question always also is, well, who's your offensive coordinator? I mean, you can it can work. Like, there's no reason why it can't work. It's just there. You just have no room for error. So, 
I understand why you're Robert Sala if you would interview for that job. I mean, the question is too, like, what would he would he go down and sit down and be in a position to say, if I get this job, I'm bringing Mike McDaniel with me. He's going to be my offensive coordinator. Well, I think they would want that because you'd want Mike McDaniel with them. Then I get back to, you remember when Saban and Belichick were talking that documentary, and they were both kind of getting mad about like people stealing their coaches. Said I put you on the who. Who uh, Saban was more mad about it, though, right? Saban was way more mad. And Bill just kind of went along with it. I think Bill agreed. He's just smart enough to not, like... He doesn't like to create stories. I think Bill's smart about that. Like, Nick doesn't give a shit. Where Bill doesn't want it out there... Like, that would be a headline if Bill said... If Bill had said, when Patricia went and tried to take these three guys, I lost my shit. That would have been the number one story the next day after that documentary, right? Pro football, like, I just think Bill's smart about that, though it drives him nuts. Because he doesn't talk to, guy, he refused to talk to Bill O'Brien. He hates Eric Mangini. Like, the guys that stole his guys, you know, Brian Flores, I, it feels like they have a good relationship, but he took a bunch of guys. I wonder if you're Kyle. It's you a, gave it's, him Chad O'Shea back, though. It, it does feel like, did he just fire Chad O'Shea? Because Bill's like, oh, I'm going to need this guy back because Josh is about to leave. Chan Gailey. Well, can Kyle get mad when McDaniels is not even calling the plays? That'd be my question. Uh, well, I mean, can you get mad? Let's just, let's just say this. Can you get mad about it? Now, the thing, to your point on Kyle, would be like, it's not like Mike McDaniel was nobody. He was my guy. He was well, my how, guy. Well, here's, you know, some people don't know about him. He had an alcohol problem. Right. He was an alcoholic. And Kyle stood by him. The Atlanta Falcons stood by him. And he changed his life. Wasn't there a big story about that? Or am yeah, I uh, yeah, a couple that? couple years ago. I think it was during the Super Bowl. I, I just um, I, I have a hard time. Like Mike McDaniel doesn't call the plays. So yeah, this is and Mike McDaniel. If you're like he's never going to call the plays, ever. That's to not ascend, he's got to go somewhere else. So you know, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what serves the Niners really well. Is it's Kyle that is the guy that will then be replacing coaches. Him. You don't have to replace your – you will never have to replace your offensive coordinator. Yeah. I think that 100% helps. But and everything I've heard I, is this guy's a genius guy. This Mike guy, McDaniel. This guy helps. Well, <laughs> like run game coordinator. Look at their run game. Pretty good on the resume. There's a reason this, they like this guy around. You could argue whether or not Robert Sala got, gets a job that, some, that he should be hired as somebody's offensive coordinator, right? I think you would be – well, they blocked him last year. Oh, uh, they blocked LaFleur's brother. But LaFleur was going to call the plays. So he was going to have the same position in Green Bay. But I think you can block him for similar positions. I think the only position you can't block in the NFL is is to interview for a head coach. If you guys are under contract, you can block. It's an asshole wait, move, wait. but you, you can, can do You can block it. wide receiver coach becoming OC? Fuck yeah. If he's under contract, I think you can. It's happened before. I mean, technically it happened last year. They just they, they didn't ask what they wanted to interview Matt Lafleur's brother for. They yeah, but I no. thought he was not going to be the OC in Green Bay. I thought that's why they blocked him. I think they just blocked him because they just didn't want to lose him. I thought it was. I thought if you were getting a promotion, you could not get blocked. I thought. I think it's only head coach. I'd have to double check on that, but I'm. I think you can block for anything if you're under contract for quote unquote, you know. Uh, Linear, I guess it wouldn't be linear. It would be horizontal type move, even though you're going to have more responsibility. The only 
That 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 was my understanding, and that's, the Niners have done that before. Belichick's done a lot of teams do it, and they, that's why it's a dickhead. People get mad about it because kind yeah, of fucked up. I guess up. that is what it is. Um, but yeah, the, the Niners' greatest strength is whether yeah. they lose Sala, whether they lose some of these guys. No matter what, they got the head coach to call in place. Sean Payton's lost a lot of guys over the years and been fine. Andy Reid's been losing guys his whole career. Keeps on chucking, right? That yeah. calling the defense is a is a or I mean calling a side of the ball and being the one of the best at it in the league is Kyle's. Beside, like all the he clearly brings a lot to the table, but his genius as a play caller to me makes it easier whenever you read because the reality, right? Whether they lose guys this year or this, if this train doesn't stop moving in the right direction, like they just win for the next three or four years, he's going to lose coaches. That's that is guaranteed. That's inevitable, guy. Like it, it really is insane what Clemson's doing. They're the only college or NFL team that has been consistently kicking ass and basically lost nobody for the first time in my memory. They lost a guy this year. He went to like the USF head coach, but they have basically lost nobody. Like, oh, think about this: Ryan Day, one season, one season. Ryan Day is the head coach. Hires Halfley, who. Haberman Middlecoff may have judged as uh, this guy's going to get fired, and it turns out three years later he's a head coach, as his defensive coordinator, and the dude's a head coach a year later. It's like most times you just you win, guys leave. Think how many guys Pete Carroll's lost over the years. Yeah, coordinator, well, coordinator, coordinator. If you're not good, right? I mean, this the the good guys handle it, the bad guys don't. We think Kyle's a good guy in terms of being able to coach. The other great thing about being an offensive play caller is you do probably have a pretty good sense for what makes a good defensive coach. The one thing I'd say, right. though, guy, is the, I guess the question with Kyle is his success as an offensive coordinator has come with McDaniels and LaFleur's brother by his side in Atlanta right. and then in San Francisco. I'm not saying he's dependent on those guys, but and I don't know if McDaniels was, but LaFleur, I know the older LaFleur was with them, like, and McVay. Like, he's had pretty unreal staffs. In Washington, Atlanta, and then here with these little minions that are geniuses. It's just, it's, it's, there's no S. It's just McDaniel. Mike McDaniel. But think about who he had in Washington, right? He had Sean McVay doing, you know, quality control work. Maybe maybe Kyle makes him. Maybe that's true. And that's maybe the hope. Maybe it's, they're learning from Kyle. That's why they become great. That's what he'd say. Great. Well, we'll if I can, if out, I can find McVay, McDaniel, LaFleurs, we'll find them. Yeah, Time I got confidence tell. in him. I do too. I mean, you think that's a pretty good? That'd be a pretty good DC job. I'll tell you that. Well, I think it'd be a good job. All these jobs would be good. Like I would just want to be on Kyle's staff, wouldn't you? You'd be like, well, yeah. fuck. It took McVay three years. He went from, you know, quality control to tight end to coordinator to head coach. You just start rising. Do you want to be associated with these guys, McVay or Kyle? Clearly, I I jump on that bus. They'd say it the must bus, right, For uh, in Arkansas. I'd call it the Kyle bus. Yeah, do you understand what that means? Yeah, the must bus, just like the train's rolling, we're just winning. But why is it must bus? Just a the casual. guy's name Muss? Eric Musselman. Oh, the must, the basketball team, that's right. Yeah. I think they're really good again. He drove around in a golf cart giving, out, giving students rides to class like the first day of school. This year? Yeah. 
I mean, he wasn't actually driving it. He was just like sitting in the, it was like a three row golf cart. He was in the second row and he would just pull up and be like, need a ride to class. And then he'd give people t-shirts for Arkansas basketball. He wins. I'll give him that. Uh, all right. I, I, at this moment in time, do you think Robert Sala is the next head coach of the Cleveland Browns? I would lean no, but I by no means think that it's not a serious option. Just because because odds are whoever they hire, you're like, whoa. Yeah. Like, what are the chances? Like, they just, Marvin Lewis or Mike McCarthy? Like, no. I could see their final three. Would Mike McCarthy be a bad hire? No, but are they going to hire Mike McCarthy? I could see them into the analytics. I could see them being in the final three. Uh, All right, John, before we move on, let's tell the people this podcast brought to you by Ease. Dot com and easewellness.com. Promo code is ham. Guy, love our friends at ease.com. Promo code ham. Pre rolls, vapes, you name it. Go check it out. You go to ease.com. You can search away. You can look for anything you want, whether it's vapes, whether it's edibles, whether it's pre rolls, whether it's you name it, they got it. And then our friends at easewellness.com. They got CBD, best CBD in the business. Drop shipment, comes to your house. Ease, ease.com is basically Uber Eats of cannabis. EaseWellness.com is basically the Amazon of CBD. So get on it. Ease.com. Check it out. Get on it. Promo code HAM. Promo code HAM. 20 bucks off the first order if you've already used the promo code. You know, find another way to have your air quotes first order or just share the promo code. We appreciate it. No doubt about it. Uh, Go get it. Okay. uh, John, the Raiders are gone. Kind of. Except they're not gone. Derek. Uh, Carr said after the uh, game, what do you say? It's just time for maybe a breath of fresh air or to get some fresh air, change of air. I need a, br- it's, yeah, I need a breath of fresh air. I need some um, fresh air. Vegas is kind of stuffy. That's what I was air, thinking. Air is much fresher in Napa. I agree. And maybe he does need a breath of fresh air. I mean, if I'm not even being funny here, maybe that means another organization, though, not this organization. I don't know, but, um, man. That is, that is a weird one. Had meetings, feels good about where things are going. I, I kind of feel like the way you feel about Mitchell Trubisky where they said Mitchell's, Ryan Pace said Mitchell's going to be back. It's like, well, I mean, you got two teams that are going to be drafting in areas where they're going to have the ability to get to quarterbacks if they want to. I won't feel safe about Derek's the quarterback of the Raiders until, until the draft's over at least. Well, how do you think he'd handle, let's say they don't sign any veteran guys. And they trade up, they do an Andy Reid type move, and they go get their Mahomes. Herbert, uh, who, who are the other quarterbacks besides Herbert and Burrow? Well, there's really, if Tua, so Tua, and then after that, the lit, like Mel Kuyper, you know who's fourth on Mel Kuyper's big board? is Jacob Eason at UW. So him, Jordan Love at Utah okay, State. Okay, let's just use this hypothetical. Jordan you stay, Love. You stay at 19, and you take... Jacob Eason at 19. What would Derek do? No, thank you, by the way. But I'm just Um, saying, like, what if that happens, guy? Yeah. What choice would he have? I mean, and if I were him, I'd be like, I can beat this guy out. Well, of course that he's going to say that, but he will not. But I mean, I would think that it would, it would make some animosity in the building, right? For sure. It happens all the time. They said Mike Glennon was a starting quarterback. They draft Mitch Trubisky. They said Sam Bradford was a quarterback. They draft, uh, Carson Wentz. But the difference with those guys is those guys were not like historic career that team guy, right? It it was less emotional if you're Mike Glennon. You just signed like the other day. Well, right? I think there's two ways to look at the quote, like you said, historic. 
he does own now all like the Raiders records. Now, a big element to owning all the Raiders records is, besides Stabler, most of their quarterbacks have been shitty. Like Plunkett's, check his numbers, not great. Rich Gannon's time was just short-lived because he got there in his early, you know, like 32 or 33, and by 37, 38, he was hurt. So he had a four-year run or whatever with Gruden, and then that one year with Callahan. But how about the Dubow stat? And this, it's not quarterbacks, it's not a win-loss, it's not their record, but it kind of is. The only quarterback that has more losses through his first six years as a starter is his brother. Like, that's not really a list you want to be on. I just, people keep, I get a lot of DMs from Raider fans, like, what do you think, what do you think, is Derek going to be on this team? I just say 50-50. I, I won't be shocked if he is. And I, I could easily see the scenario where they take a guy, maybe even in the second, I don't know if they have a second round, they got a couple third round picks, maybe they trade up and get a J- Jordan Love or someone like that. If they take a guy in the first two days, that's a pretty big story for Derek, right? Huge. But I also, I would just can't discount Rivers and Brady. If they sign, let's let's just do a hypothetical. I don't know when the league year officially starts. Let's just say March 10th is the date. March 11th story comes out. John Gruden and Mike Mayock are flying. Phillip Rivers has not been tagged as free agent. Are flying to meet with Phillip Rivers. Are sit, having a sit down with Phillip Rivers. What's the story? Well, if they sign Phillip Rivers... Is Derek going to get traded or cut? Because it's one of the two, right? Cut. I mean, yeah, traded. Sure. Yeah. Not but back. like he just he would be not on the if they sign if Philip Rivers signs a contract, let's say one year thirty million, Derek is not on the team by the time the draft comes, correct? Right. What about like to me where it gets a little like would they sign Andy Dalton? The thing people cannot forget that when you're going, well, Derek's better than these guys. John Gruden signed how many quarterbacks last year of just random names? He kept doing it with the Kaiser, Glennon, and McCarron, and Peterman. So if he's going to sign those guys, why wouldn't he sign a Dalton if he can get his hands on him? Mariota? Yeah. Trade for uh, Nick Foles? I'm just saying, like... Yeah, these are names. I just you think, think he likes Deshaun Kaiser? Well, I guess Mary Mariota might have more money available to him. Yeah, I think that I, the Foles one's not crazy. The, to me, the Andy Dalton one would just be in the mix. That would be one. Could you keep Andy Dalton with Derek and just have him compete? Mm-hmm. I think so. Why would Andy Dalton look at Derek like he couldn't beat him out? Right? Yeah. Yeah. What, what percentage would you put that Derek Carr, Carr is the starting quarterback week one, 2020? Vegas, Oakland? <clears throat> Uh, they're one Nap- fire. They're, one, or they're, they're one fire or earthquake away from that thing getting delayed and them having to stay. <laughs> why? Why does it feel like you would enjoy that? I, um, I don't care. Mike Norvell's on my screen. What's his nickname? Bubble Screen Mike. Bubble Bubble uh, Bubble Screen King. Bubble Screen King. According to Kerry Crowley. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I think fifty fifty is the answer. I mean, if if you had to say fifty one forty nine, then. Which one's fifty one and which one's forty nine? I'd say fifty one is he's he is the Raiders quarterback just because quarter you know quarterbacks are just hard to come by even though we think we see paths to multiple quarterbacks for the Raiders this year. The, the stats are pretty unique though about guys this long one franchise just do not last when you, you just got to get winning. another guy. That's the thing. You just got to get another guy. 
Well, he kind of tried, and they were all just shitty. Brady. You just got to get another guy. So I, I lean 51-49 just by nature of it's just getting quarterbacks is hard. What if he signs Brady and Derek's a backup? You just can't invest that much money into one position. Well, what if Brady signs for $2 million? You're telling and me. Like, that- and like the, the deed to the Palms Hotel. <laughs> if Derek- you're the state of Las Vegas and Sheldon Adelson, you don't. Uh... You wouldn't even hesitate doing that. I mean, did you? I'm trying to figure out what's going on on my TV, and I realized Danielson and Nestler are wearing tiger print ties because it's the Tony the Tiger Bowl. Like, why are these guys wearing tiger print ties? CBS is just so stiff with their jackets. Yeah, I I didn't. What is Tony the Tiger? I don't even know what that is. Well, Frosted Flakes. Is that so? Frosted Flakes did this, or no? Yeah, Tony the Tiger did. Well, it's the Tony the Tiger Bowl, but it's Frosted. I mean, I don't, maybe they've pivoted their marketing, but it's Frosted Flakes. Unless Tony the Tiger is something else that's not Frosted Flakes, and I didn't that's know what, that. That's what I'm saying. Like, you don't get any credit for Frosted Flakes when everyone's just calling Tony the Tiger when the youth doesn't even know who Tony the Tiger is. Like, we knew Tony the Tiger because they had commercials. You just saw Tony the Tiger. If it was Frosted Flakes, I used to I think it's know. a cool logo if you use the Tony the Tiger face. You call it the Tony the Tiger Bowl. I don't know if anyone... I don't know if Tony the Tiger... Maybe he went independent. I don't know if 100% still with Frosted Flakes. I haven't seen Frosted Flakes anywhere. So we talked to Brent Jones on Thursday. Thursday. Got my weeks all thrown away. On Monday on CanBR. Terrestrial radio tour. And uh, he's doing a number of things. I mean, he's on with them every week. He's also got this thing coming up in uh, Walnut Creek on January 16th, which you can find out about at letters87.com which is the Mayoko book, big panel Mayoko's hosting. Steve Young's going to be there. Steve Young and Brent Jones will be there. And I think he might say 87.com in this interview, but it's letters to 87.com is the website. Gotcha. You know that he played at Santa Clara? I did, yeah. Isn't it kind of crazy, like Santa Clara, St. Mary's, the Long Beach States, the Riversides, like all these programs that are just small school schools in California had football, and really the only two small schools – that have like legitimate football that kind of produce an NFL guy here and there are kind of Cal Poly and UC Davis that are not like Nevada or Fresno State, you know, like legitimately small schools. Mm-hmm. Like none of those schools have football anymore. Right. Pacific. Bakersfield. It's kind of sad. I know. We just have a bunch San of San Francisco like, used to have a football yeah, program. Middlecoff types flying around. It gave a lot of people a chance out on the West Coast. A lot of Kerry Crowley's out there. Yeah, just play a little ball. There, when you start looking at basketball teams, it's outright. You're like, I have. You start to realize when you start getting into like NAIA and D two, it's like there are a million college basketball players playing at a place that they'll be at your your local gym. Like you play college ball, like yeah, I played at this D two. Dude hits like seven threes in your pickup game. You never heard of the school he went to. Well, I remember when I was at Cal Poly, our schedule non conference looked for all those schools. It'd be like, oh, we're playing Notre Dame. No, Notre Dame, more Nazarene, Nazarene. Yeah. Oh, we're playing. Uh, we're playing. You know, you're just playing all these schools you've never heard of, and then you watch them. You're like, well, this guy is way better than anyone I know at basketball. I went to a couple of those games like that. Some of these guys can hoop. Uh, here, your uh, your NAIA top twenty five right now, John. Georgetown is number one. Yeah, not that Georgetown. Georgetown, Kentucky's number one. The Masters College. I've heard of them. I have not. Mid-American Christian is ranked third in the nation. Pikeville is uh, fourth. 
Uh, let's see. Waylon Baptist is ninth. John Brown, 10th. Lewis and Clark State, you've heard of them. I've never heard any fucking people. I've heard 16th of Lewis in the nation, John. Tougaloo. Where Tougaloo is that? College in Mississippi. <laughs> Tougaloo. That is my NAIA team, is Tougaloo. I like the, the official NAI basketball team of uh, the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast. All right. Brent Jones, our conversation with Brent. Here it is. By the way, uh, you know, Matt Mayoko was on with us earlier. He wanted us to mention, we're happy to pass this along. Coming up on January 16th at 7.30, a special star-studded evening at uh, the Lesher Center for the Arts, presented by Diablo Regional Arts Association. A look back on the legacy of the catch and the Niners in the Bay Area, Steve Young, Brent Jones, Eric Wright, Dwight Hicks, and a panel moderated by Matt Mayoko. That's uh, January 16th at 7.30. Guy Haberman and John Middlecoff in for uh, Tolbert Kruger and Brooks, and it's great to have, as he is every week with the guys, the great Brent Jones. Hello, Brent. Fellas, man, it's great to have some depth of football knowledge on the show uh, with you guys. And so it's, uh, I love getting into it, but you, you mentioned the Dwight Clark uh, night uh, in at the Lesher Center in Walnut Creek, and it's January 16th. And I don't know if we've ever done anything like this before, kind of at a big venue uh, event place and it's going to be pretty special just sharing memories about Dwight uh, the impact that he had on the 49ers dynasty with the catch and also just that unbreakable bond he had with the fans and so we're going to have a couple of guys that were there from the get-go of his career Dwight Hicks and Eric Wright and then I'm going to be there with uh, Steve Young as well. And, and Matt Mayoko just wrote this unbelievable book about letters to 87 and, and put it together with Dwight's knowledge and insight just about fans sharing their stories about where they were with the catch and all and, and the impact that that had on their life. And so it's going to be a very, very special night. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into this season's team as well, how this current team is carrying that torch that Dwight lit almost 40 years ago. So pretty darn special deal and uh, thrilled to be a part of it. I was a Walnut Creek resident. I might have to see if Mayoko can hook it up with some tickets and swing by. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> How you talking? That's, that's the way to go, guys. But, but Sorry, Brent. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just I'm, I'm flabbergasted after watching that game. I mean, it was just I thought the Saints game was going to be the best regular season Niner game I saw, and I was expecting a good game. But <laughs> when they completed that last pass, when Russell Wilson threw that ball, I thought that's a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that Greenlaw made that tackle and, and something that I hadn't heard. I don't know if I heard it on the broadcast or if I heard it after the game because I was in a state of euphoria. Uh, but the defensive players are taught at the goal line to tackle high, and it makes sense to me because obviously if you tackle low, the guy's forward momentum is going to—he's going to fall into the end zone, and so is the ball. And so to tackle high, you keep the shoulder, the arm, the upper body out of out of the end zone if you get a big enough hit. And you talk about a hit an all-time hit. I mean, that was that was just something by a young player like that. And, I, I mean, everyone's going to be talking about that, but Greenlaw was all over the field. He had twice as many tackles uh, yesterday as anybody else on the team. And I'm my jaw was open. I could not believe that tackle, that play, that the Seahawks ended it in short of the division title and, and – I mean, I hate to say it, but I kind of feel like that game meant everything for both of those teams. 
I agree. I mean, I think the separating factor for this team start to finish on both sides of the ball has been the physical nature. Obviously, defensively early on in the season, they were just dominant. But just offensively with Kittle killing people, use check opening up holes, all the running backs running hard, and then the defense, I mean, it, they deserve to be the one seed. It feels like the right team, obviously we're a little biased here, but the right team is the number one seed right now. You know what, Guy and John, I absolutely agree. And, and it's funny because I think back to those 49ers Seahawks battles six, seven years ago, and the difference in those games were the Seahawks controlled us physically. And I remember coming away from those games going, man, they just took it to us physically. That defense was physical, line of scrimmage. Their guys pounded our guys. Our receivers took shots. And the the shoe was on the other foot this year. And, and that was great. I just remember thinking after the first half, we've got these guys. And, man, I have to say, and I, I'd love to go back and look at the All-22. Because unless you, you, unless you see the All-22, you don't know what's really going on. But to be up two scores in the last six minutes, I thought, this we got this. And, and the fact that the Seahawks scored, we went three and out, and they got the good ball back and came within an inch of beating us. I was just frustrated as heck. It felt like we took the pressure off, and I, I knew, knew that we were running some, some nice stunts and a few blitzes up until that point. And then it seemed like we all of a sudden called off the dogs. And, and, and like I said, I, I mean, I was so caught up in the emotion. I can't say specifically, but all of a sudden they, they were – getting the ball down the field, big plays here, big plays there. And it was just, man, that was hard to watch. I think, uh, look, John Harbaugh in all likelihood will be the coach of the year this year in the NFL, which is totally fine. John and I were talking about it earlier, Brent. I mean, ultimately, you've got a handful of 13-3 to three teams. Two of them are one seeds. One of them beat the other one in the regular season. So fine. That's If that's how it is, that's how it is. I do think Kyle is every bit the coach of the year in the NFL, though, just because he calls plays. They've played in so many big games where it has been uh, required that he nail multiple big play calls or else they lose, and he's done it every time, almost every time. Um, He, to me, has been the biggest difference maker. I mean, Belichick is like in a whole world by himself, but Kyle's been the biggest difference maker in terms of a head coach in large part because of all of that. What, when you watch him call plays, impresses you the most about it? Well, first, let me go back to your your comments. You guys are being very gracious with the John Harbaugh, and I know that John's a heck of a guy and he's a heck of a coach. And any other year, yeah, I'd give it to him. But but I'm calling BS on on that whole coach of the year thing because after last year's 49er season, if Kyle Shanahan's not coach of the year, there's people that don't know football that aren't paying attention and that don't understand the game. Because I, I love Lamar Jackson, and he's done a great job, and he's going to get his just desserts he's going to obviously be the mvp uh but that doesn't make the coach the coach of the year i don't think he coached any of lamar's skills on the other hand i think kyle's done a remarkable job with fit finish uh substitutions putting guys in positions to win um many many young players rookies making an impact uh throughout the season and for me that's all coaching. And I and I think, you know, when Kyle starts to feel his oats as a coach, he just starts dialing up plays. We saw Debo Samuel score on, on a, a run yesterday. We've got guys doing different routes. We've got, you know, lots of different unique nuances to play calling that I think Kyle has a great command of. And so 
he understands putting his players in position to be successful and Jimmy Garoppolo to go ahead and deliver the ball offensively. And then defensively, I'm, I'm sure Kyle, like most head coaches, other than Belichick, like he's probably not messing around with the defense. But uh, to have Robert Sala there and, and what he's done this year uh, has been impressive. And so I just – it's shocking to me that Kyle Shanahan – is not the the leader in the clubhouse just with the way that this season's gone. It's been impressive, and obviously I'm biased, but uh, I, I just am so impressed with the things that he does, whether it's motion, whether it's matchups, whether it's you know getting his fullback one-on-one with a guy or figuring out the way to move Kittle to get him singled up instead of bracketed. It's just it's, it's the little things that make such a huge difference, and he's done it. He's had a few injuries. All those things together just impressed the heck out of me, and it's it's been fun. And, and you guys can tell it's uh, I'm excited because it's been fun to watch this team come together. And John Lynch and Kyle, uh, obviously, I know them both, um, but I'm not I'm not I'm certainly not on the payroll. But it's been fun as a former player and as a fan to watch these guys do what they do. Well, for me, you were the George Kittle of my youth. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, anyone born in the That's 80s, a high compliment well, anyone that born in the good, 80s yeah. growing up, you know, it's probably more Jerry, but, you know, you can play the same position of him. But uh, in all seriousness, when you watch George Kittle, when, when I was growing up, every time you guys stepped on the field, either Jerry or Steve, more than likely, was going to be the best player on the field. And one thing you've seen this year is every time the 49ers step on the field, if 85's padded up, he's the best freaking player on the field. You know, I mean, it, last night was him and Russ were just in a different world than everyone else. It's just, I mean, how good is this guy? It's pretty remarkable that he lasted that late in the draft, and obviously he's been a, a little bit of a late developer. You know, his first couple of years, he's banged up. He's learning the NFL way. Um, but there's a couple things that he brings. And one is th- his speed separates him right away. But his – and he's a 4-5 guy all day long. Um, but he's getting more nuanced and – perfected with his route running which helps so much when you're fast already but the thing that really separates him from every other tight end in the league right now is his acceleration in his third step maybe his fourth step he's at a hundred percent and i don't know how many times this year guys have zeroed in on him safeties or dbs and all of a sudden He's going right by him. It's because he's at a, he's at a hundred percent. I don't know how he does it, but it's so darn explosive, and it's that has really separated him. So he, the yards after the catch, a lot of it's speed, a lot of it's want to. He's got great heart. He's very physical, but he's more. He's a lanky guy. He's six six. He's pretty lean. Like you look at him, you're like that, that guy's big, but he's not. He doesn't have Earl Campbell legs. He's not running yeah. over guys. And darn if he isn't running over guys. And he just he's great with angles and he understands where people are on the field. And he's just I mean, if if Kittle's not going crazy on the sideline, then something's wrong. If we don't have Kittle emotion, <laughs> we're in trouble. Well I, I remember mean, the it, him in the pre- him in the uh in the luxury box against the Seahawks the first time. Was uh, looked like torture for him. Well, they start calling him oh. Jerry Jones because they showed him so much on the <laughs> yeah. on the, the jumbo drop. <laughs> did, did, Mike, so did, yeah. did Mike did Mike Shanahan ever call end arounds for you like they do for George? No, I and you know the funny thing is I begged. My generation was just the coming out of the tight end position as a receiver, and I used to just 
rant and rave to anybody that would listen that that was really our great that's one of our greatest mismatches i mean the game's become now all about matchups and i don't know that back then it was as well understood but i mean the game's changed as well because you know those were days where you didn't get a free release off the line linebackers held you all the way down the field there was no such thing as holding or pass interference against a linebacker on a tight end it just wasn't part of the drill and so it was a little bit different deal uh but man i gotta tell you it's just he's just a fun guy to watch and certainly he's the heartbeat of the team and just to have him out there it, it's fun i got a chance to meet him last year and he's just a great kid and We've got so many. You guys can tell this, and, and I told this early on in the season. You can tell these guys love being around each other. Not every team is like that. Some teams have too many egos. Some teams have, hey, I'm in it for myself or my contract. And you can tell these guys all support each other. It's probably because they've been at the bottom of the barrel together, a lot of them, other than the rookies. A lot of these guys have not seen the light of day from the last couple of years. And now to have all this talent flourish and the opportunity to unleash Kyle Shanahan as play calling and a, and a healthy Jimmy G. I mean, it's, it's a completely different mindset and that's, it's a fun thing to watch because you don't see it every year. Is that, yeah. Is that something that, um, that is just going to always be kind of a snapshot in time when your team is, at this point where they're a little better than maybe the world thought they would be or can that, can that if the if you have the right player leadership coach leadership just be a characteristic of an organization you know that is a heck of a question i think in this day in free agency and contracts and guys getting paid and this that and the other thing i think every year is a snapshot in time and while i think the future is bright for the next couple years with this team it's not going to stay that way. And so you have to take advantage of it when you have the opportunity and taking advantage of it is winning the Super Bowl. And right now with home field advantage, you know, odds are we should be the team. So people have to come through us, through the Bay area, through the Niners to get there. And so you just can't relax. Now you have to, you know, cross the T's, dot the I's, extra film work, extra time in the training room. Everybody needs to be as healthy as they can get, and everybody has to bring their A game, mm-hmm. coaches included. And that's and that's every bit the part of a successful run in the playoffs. And you just never know if you're going to get back and get there again. Because I promise you guys that last year's Super Bowl Rams team thought that they'd be going to the Super Bowl for the next four or five years, and they're not even in the playoffs. You have a unique perspective because when you came to the Niners, they were kind of like a Patriot-type team, right? They'd already won a couple Super Bowls. They were really good. This team, one parallel we've used, and I just, just Google and research, and, I mean, Walsh in his third year went 13-3, and got the one seed. The catch happened a couple weeks later. Then they won the Super Bowl. But that was a team that I don't think coming into the season, we were talking to Mark Abanez about it. Like People did thought they might be better, but it just kind of happened. Kind of like we thought the Niners would be competitive this year if Jimmy could stay healthy, maybe like a six seed, and then boom, they're like best team in the league. And now, like you say, you just never know. you got to go all in because this might change it all. And they have a special chemistry with the group. Do you think it's e- almost easier in the sense that despite them being the one seed, they're not really viewed as like, some consistent powerhouse or anything. They've kind of snuck up on people in a way. 
Yeah, I think it's great right now. And, and they're, they're probably the most underappreciated one seed in a long time. And people still, I think, shake their head and just go, oh, 49ers, you know. Hey, yeah, they're the one seed. But, you know, people don't give Jimmy G enough respect and what he's done this year. And I know the first month of the season, maybe he wasn't playing it, it pre, at a premier pace. But he still is coming back off an ACL, still getting comfortable, still getting, uh, you know, comfortable with just his mechanics. But, you know, the second half of the season, he's been a different player. And that's, and that's so significant. I think people are starting to wake up to that fact. A lot of people don't really know who George Kittle is. Oh, that guy, he's, he's always signaling first down and bouncing around. Now people are starting to understand. You know, people don't appreciate this defense. You know, we've gotten a lot of pressure on people the first half of the season. That was a big story. And then, you know, we had a few key injuries. You know, you, we're missing Alexander, missing D Ford, and you know the 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 dynamics aren't exactly the same. I thought the guys brought a lot more pressure yesterday. Maybe not consistent consistently throughout the game, but I think we're going to see guys rested up and ready to go for the playoffs and that's going to be a differentiator. So people don't really know. There's yeah. not a there's not an Antonio Brown type of player on this team, right? There's not a Tom Brady or there's not a, a Drew Brees where everybody points to and they go, Oh, well, Niners, you know, who's who do you know? Sure, Sherman would be the guy, but he but that's based on what he did in Seattle, not here, right? That's true. He's he's actually had a heck of a year yeah, he has. if you look at it. I mean <laughs> that old dog could still do some tricks, I promise you. And, and I think that he loves being under the radar, too. It's one of the, the benefits come this time of year. But you know, the thing that's, that I want to say it scares me, but it freaks me out a little bit, is the way that I figure this playoff thing is going to go. Seattle's going to be back in town in, yeah. in two weeks. And, man, you guys play – you know this. You play a third game against division opponent in – Literally anything can happen, and there's no surprises. Both teams know each other. Seahawks will be a little bit more healthied up. Um, I hate that matchup for us. Um, and then, and then, why? Once we, uh, you know what? Because I just think Pete Carroll has a great way with with that team, and I've counted these guys out so many darn times, <laughs> and they're still standing, and it just drives me crazy. Uh, but I think we'll get by them, and then I think we're going to have the Saints waiting for us uh, to come on in. And that's I me. Mean, look at that; those are two tough home games again. Now we've done it this year, but here come the Seahawks, here come the Saints, and they ain't messing around. And so we're going to have to be our best if we're going to be in the Super Bowl this year. We're going to earn it. I think I I think we are going to be, but man, it's not like we're going to have any uh, you know walkover games in the first round or two. No, it's not supposed to be easy, but this feels particularly hard. <laughs> Man, it does. It's just the way that the seedings worked out. I mean, and exhausting. I, by the way, do you think? Just listening to you talk, do you um, do you think Jimmy can be an MVP quarterback? So I certainly think he has the capabilities, and, and you guys know this. What you have to have is you have to have. Um, you have to have other assets. And the big thing this year was we saw George Kittle emerge last year and George Kittle's been a beast this year, but we had to have other people step up. And, and when we traded for Emmanuel Sanders, that actually separated our team from everybody else because people had to account for Emmanuel. Now he hasn't always turned in a monster game, but he's going to always turn in the fact that people have to account for him. And I think 
a lot of people don't understand the accounting side of the equation when you're talking about defense. So what does that do? That singles up Debo Samuel, who has become a physical presence as a rookie. What a heck of a draft pick he looks like right now. And he's, you know, from games from games 10 to, to 16, the guy's just been a stud. And you can see what the confidence has done with him gaining confidence week in and week out. He is such a different player than he was early on in the season. So if you have the weapons like that and you have Raheem Mostert, who, I mean, who would have thought at the beginning of the season, you know, I'm, I'm a big Tevin Coleman guy. I watched him a lot with the Falcons. I'm like, God, this guy's a stud. And, and I saw Breda play last year and he was a stud too. And like, man, they just keep putting guys in there. And, and that speaks the offensive line. They've been consistent. We've been banged up a little bit this year, but you start putting all those things together and, and yeah, Jimmy G can be a MVP in the next couple of years. I absolutely, he believes, has the capabilities. Have they turned him loose for throwing the ball 40 times a game? No, because we got a run game. But, you know, these other teams that, <laughs> that let their quarterbacks, you know, throw 35, 45 times a game, I don't know that that's going to ever be Kyle with this line and with this group of running backs. But that doesn't mean he can't win the MVP. You get a chance to see the clip of uh, Joe Staley running off the field in tears? Didn't. Love it. Love yeah, Joe, old school guy, and and I get it because I think one thing that you don't really get when you're a younger player or even in the middle of your career, you think every guy thinks he's going to play forever, which which sounds crazy, but it's true. Every guy thinks he's going to play forever. And I think the older you get and the the more injuries you deal with, all of a sudden you start to realize, wow, I'm mortal. This you never know when your last ride is going to be. And I think probably the emotion of that and the injuries and the fact that he's been on one of the worst teams in the NFL for the last five years, probably all came together. And you, it's so darn tough. You just never know. And so I think it was all spilling over into the emotion and just saying, hey, it's great to be back here. Didn't know that I'd ever be here again. It's like the football gods – you know, threw the Niners a bone last night to stop them on that half-inch line. I mean, Holy it, crap. I still can't believe that tackle. <laughs> oh, my I mean, God. That, there's not a soul in, in a 60-mile radius around here that thought they were going to win. I mean, I didn't. I had, and no, how could you? You know, they were driving. It was over. And then it, it wasn't. It was over. That was a, a legendary tackle. And I know everyone's talking about the bun stop. And it was very, very similar to get a perfect hit up high and drive the guy back. I mean, there was no momentum going forward. And what a what a what a great play by a great young player. And and uh, you think that play could be the difference between this team going to the Super Bowl or or going to Philadelphia and catching the Eagles in a bad weather game? And man, I'm glad we're not doing that. Oh, crap. That sounds miserable. By the way, hopefully January 16th, you're up there on the stage with Matt, and you're talking about the. Uh... NFC Championship game around the corner. I mean, I can hardly wait. That's my plan, fellas. Just one win away. I mean, it's not that far. Just one <laughs> win know. away. Yeah, just, it's just one win. <laughs> 60 minutes. There we go. All right, Brent. Good to talk to you, man. Thanks, Brent. Appreciate it. Fellas, it was fun. Thanks. Appreciate it. There he was, John. Brent Jones. Kyle Shanahan, Coach of the Year. Uh, Jimmy G, future MVP. He uses we, I love it, as he has the right to. That's pretty cool.
Would you ever use Wii in a position if you become uh, a team play-by-play guy? I don't think so. You would not use Wii? Uh, that ingrained you to the community. I, I, don't, I don't think so. The difference is, is that Brett Jones grew up here, only played here. Like, to me, there's no... I never feel uncut. Like, when a, a former player, especially if that's the only franchise they ever played, should use Wii, right? Yeah, a play, yeah, yeah. You played for the team, you can say Wii. You put on the uniform. What about diehard fans? That's okay, too. Yeah. yeah. It's Wii. It's a part of the community. But it is free advertising for the team when you just keep talking about them. Yeah. They, I, they're uh, not paying you to do it. You're actually paying them to attend their shit. It's genius. You know? I was thinking about this the other day. Teams want more people to say we. Well, of it's course. Like, well, we don't well teams want their broadcasters to say we, probably. Yeah. You, you'll be saying it one day. It might not even be. I'm, not, not, a big, even be I'm a, not a we guy. It might not be a choice, though, by, you know, if this happens, like, what, what if you fill it? What if you take over Greg Papa? Like, when is Greg Papa saying we? In three years? He's calling oh. defenses already, so he uh, might be sweet. Robert Sala's re- replacement. That is true. How about Derek Papa making us a Mayoko song for KNBR on uh, when, Monday? It was pretty good. You know, it, it shows Acapella. you that I think it's clear that Derek has just changed his allegiance. He's a diehard Niner guy now. You know, Oakland's, Oakland left him. You know, the, the Raiders left. The A's, we think, are buying some land. I still doubt that they're going to be around. They'll be gone here soon. And, I don't uh, think they're leaving. You think they'll make it? A's? Yeah, I don't think they'll leaving. I, I just, I can't. I mean, maybe they'll just go under if they stay. I, I don't think it's financially feasible for them to stay. But you're right. I mean, if they get sold this land, maybe they do it. I, I still have my reservations that they're ever going to wreck this. Well, I'm not saying I don't have reservations. I'm just saying, what, what are they going to do? End up in Portland? Like, yeah, well, I, I, think ba- I think baseball moves them to Portland or Vegas. I don't think they're doing that. I think Vegas is the move, actually. And it's Mark Davis's worst member because he hates the A's and they're just his fucking neighbor. That, that's, that's my guess. I, I just, do you think they could financially survive here and make money? Because I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, their plan is to build hotels and stuff. In the in the six houses, maybe not hotels, but like housing, uh, rental, you know, rental properties and office buildings and that kind of thing. Yeah, what most 60, teams try to do at sixty six in Hagenberger, though. No, out by the water. Oh, I thought they were buying. The well, I think they want to do 60. both. They want to. Well, they want to buy that land too, so they can monetize that. I think they did. You know, it got confirmed that they get that they got half of that, half but off. then they also want to do some of that stuff out in. Jack London. Okay, that makes sense. I think they actually own some of that already. They've got office space out there that they own, and they're et cetera, et cetera. But maybe I'm underestimating <laughs> the, the power of Oakland. Sorry, I'm watching the bowl game here. Two yeah, guys he got, ran into each other. <laughs> he got taken out. Okay. All right. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Godspeed. See ya. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.